Well, hello, my friends. Welcome back, or welcome if you're new. Here we all are again (laughs) for another episode of Black Magic, a podcast where I pull a tarot card and I talk about it. I'm Sarah Black. I am an extremely powerful witch. Please tell all of your friends. I would super appreciate it. And happy November. The last time we spoke, it was a little bit before Halloween or Samhain, if you prefer, the pagan name for it. And it's been an interesting time weather-wise here in Montreal. On Halloween, I went to a party and I sweat through my costume because it was like 20 degrees out. And I don't remember the last time I didn't have to wear a coat (laughs) with my costume. Like I have that, I always think of that classic Canadian Halloween experience of having to wear (laughs) like a puffy winter coat underneath your costume and just absolutely ruining the effect. (laughs) Um, So yeah, it was kind of weird because it was quite warm, but the temperatures have since plunged. And today, in fact, it did snow. I did wake up to fresh snow falling and coating the ground. And I think it's going to melt and we're going to see a few days of warmer weather, not 20 degrees, but I don't think this is, I don't think this snow will last. I think we have a couple, maybe a week or two more before the snow really starts to pile up. Hopefully, now that I've said that, I've probably cursed us all. I do. (laughs) I do have that power. (laughs) And yeah, it's been a weird transition too in terms of our sense of time, just with the day is getting colder and darker so early and with daylight savings time ending here in Montreal the sun sets at like 4:30 now <laughs> like it's 5 it's 5 o'clock and it's already dark out here my ambient lighting has turned on in my apartment so yeah um i've been thinking about this weird feeling that November has in terms of, you know, October is we're still kind of like experiencing a bit of warmth. Like it's it's definitely solidly fall, but it's not quite too chilly yet. And we have this like feeling of celebration because, you know, seeing the the leaves turn is a really kind of magical experience if you're into that. <laughs> and and then we have Halloween to look forward to. And it just feels like a really kind of celebratory time of year. And then December, of course, is a lot of holidays for people, whether or not you celebrate Christmas. Um, there's New Year's Eve as well. And then lots of lots of other holidays to celebrate, reasons to celebrate. And I mean, speaking as a Canadian, November is, we don't really have anything like American Thanksgiving is in November, but as Canadians, November is just this like transitional time. I mentioned Samhain a little bit earlier, or some people might 
know it as Samhain. That's how the word is spelled, but it's actually a Gaelic word, I think, or, or Celtic in origin. And so it's pronounced Samhain. And that is the, it's what's called a cross-quarter day. And there are four of them throughout the year. And they mark the midpoint between each equinox and each solstice of the year. So the fall equinox in September, and then we have Samhain at the end of October, and then the winter solstice in December. In the Northern Hemisphere, anyways. Samhain, as a cross-quarter day, marks the beginning of winter for pagans. And I think a lot of people probably typically associate the start of winter with the winter solstice. But in terms of preparing for winter, preparing to make it through this cold stretch (laughs) that's looming in front of us, um, November is kind of, it marks the start of that, the beginning of November. And so this is like a really good time for us to take stock of our harvests. I mean, traditionally, that's what we are taking stock of, but many of us are not very agricultural in nature, <laughs> but your harvests don't have to be like literally wheat <laughs> or root vegetables <laughs> if, you're, if you're not really into gardening. Your harvest can also be your energy, your willpower, your focus, like anything that you are going to need to lean on in the coming months to help stave off that seasonal depression slump (laughs) that many of us kind of struggle through in the winter months. I know some people are very winter people, and I congratulate them on that, but I definitely struggle to stay motivated <laughs> when the when the darkness has kind of stretched out for weeks on end, months on end. And I kind of have been working on this theory recently that it's going to be a lot easier for me to renew my effort towards my goals and try to maintain that this like energy that I've been harnessing for myself <laughs> the last couple months. I think it's going to be easier to to dedicate myself to that now instead of falling into these more comfortable, cozy habits, as is our tendency when it starts to get colder and darker outside. We might slip into hibernation mode where we start going outside less and we start doing things that maybe are keeping us close to home, not socializing as much. We kind of like become these little fluffy bears in our dens where we're just preparing to spend the months ahead a little bit more isolated and quiet than we would during the summertime. And I think it's really hard to pull ourselves out of that slump because that can also, like, that's what, for me and my experience, that's what kind of leads into my seasonal depression, my situational depression. I get really kind of lazy and comfortable and then the dirty dishes in the kitchen start to pile up because I don't feel like unloading the dishwasher and I don't feel like putting away my laundry and then 
you know, I have a really small space, so that kind of clutter really stands out very quickly. And it can have this like really negative impact on my mental health. And once that starts to go, well, I'm not going for walks and I don't want to see people. I just want to lay in bed. I want to watch Succession or New Girl or whatever comfort show I'm <laughs> is in my roster at the moment. I just want to watch that on repeat and do, have a lot of naps. It's not healthy for me. It's really hard for me to rebound from that and and try to climb out of that slump. So I've been really working on having structure and routine in my day that's really balanced and it really is varied in its different activities to keep me occupied throughout the day, especially with just not having a job currently. I have a lot of unstructured time and in the summer that's Great. I'm on vacation. I'm taking an extended sabbatical, but in winter, I think is going to be really detrimental to my mental health and to staying focused and to keep myself on track with goals that I have for myself. It's kind of like that saying of like, you don't have to get ready if you stay ready. <laughs> so that's what I'm trying to do. I mean, this is kind of like related to things that I've been talking about recently where I really want to pursue this goal of being a writer and and publishing. Uh, I don't know. I'm working on a story right now. I don't really know what it's going to turn out to be. But also, like, my newsletter and this podcast, I've really found a lot of value in doing both of them. Like, I'm having fun. It's helping me stay consistent or more consistent than, I've, than I have been with my writing. And... I am learning more about tarot and making podcasts and getting really into like researching things that I normally wouldn't think about. So it's like I'm just learning a lot, which is kind of a big motivator for me. Like one of my definitely one of my values in life is just always learning, always seeking things out as a person with many strong Sagittarius placements. So, you know, for for all of us, what we need this energy and resolve for, this like this conversation or this topic, like I have a reason for bringing it up. And it's related to the card for this week's episode. So I've pulled the judgment card. And I'll start with a description of each card as I always do. So the Wild Unknown card I love this card. <laughs> it has this, starting from the bottom of the card, it's this like shroud of darkness. And it's so dense that you can't really pick out any individual figure. But as we rise towards the top of the card, we start to see that it's uh, a cloud of bats. It's like a dark cloud of bats. And like raised above all of these bats with its wings outstretched in the sky above them is a white dove. And the, are, there are these like rays of light radiating from it. It's a very powerful looking card. And then everything is in black and white. And so with the Waite Smith card also has a very, like has very powerful imagery there is a giant angel <laughs> with a trumpet in the sky, like looming over these figures below it, who are, they seem to be standing inside 
coffins and their arms are raised up, like stretched up towards this angel or like outstretched as if like wanting to be raised up with the angel or perhaps like open to receive something. And then in the background, I can't tell. It looks like these coffins are floating in like a sea of some kind. And then in the background behind the figures is this looming tidal wave. So we have this kind of sense of foreboding almost. And the angel, I'm not very, I'm not Christian, so I'm not very familiar with Christian iconography of any kind, but I looked it up and this angel is supposed to represent the archangel Gabriel, who is, I guess, <laughs> a big deal. Um, and they are, they have, or Gabriel has the power to announce God's will to man. So I guess it's like a Christian concept of fate. And so these people are open to receiving their fate, their their final judgment. I think this card can be perceived as very like daunting or intimidating. It's almost like not quite on par with, but similar to the death card or the devil card, where you see this revealed in a reading and it kind of makes you pause a little bit. It kind of gives you this feeling of like, oh, like, (laughs) what does this mean? And I think it's because we have these negative associations with the word judgment. Like, if you are to describe somebody as judgmental, that's not exactly <laughs> a compliment. It's definitely more of a criticism of that person. You know, we make judgments about other people all the time, and they make judgments about us. And I think often in those situations, we run the risk of believing our judgments as absolute truths. But we often are making our judgments based on limited information. So it's pretty unfair of us to do to other people, just as it's very unfair of them to do to us. We're usually missing details about that person or about that story or about their story that will paint a fuller picture of who they are for us. I think that's the really tricky thing about this concept of judgment is that like we can't avoid it. We have to we have to use our judgment with people or with situations all the time. We have to make decisions all throughout our day to just progress forward in life. We can't be stuck in this, you know, uh paralysis of indecision. And so we can't avoid judgment entirely, but I think we do ourselves and we do other people a disservice when we assume that our judgment is the absolute truth of someone or a situation. Like there's almost always more information that we could take in to have a better assessment, to better inform ourselves when we're making those judgment calls or when we're making those decisions. And I think we get really stuck. We get really limited when we are just ignorant to that fact, ignorant to the nuances that people can hold and the duality of people. An example that came to mind about this for me was people who are hesitant about 
COVID vaccines. That was a very, that is a very controversial topic for some people. And, you know, in the circles and or spaces that I inhabit, I have definitely heard people, and I've even thought this myself, you know, when somebody talks about not wanting to get the vaccine or being scared to get the vaccine, there's this gut reaction almost of like, ugh, like an anti-vaxxer, somebody who's just like not informed enough or is too ignorant to get the facts for themselves and realize that it's perfectly fine, it's perfectly safe. But having said that, like there are so many people, so many marginalized people, especially women of color, who have experienced very real trauma and abuse in the healthcare system. They've been misdiagnosed, they've been ignored, they've been like not listened to about the their pain and their own bodies because of you know sexism and racism i literally was reading on reddit <laughs> the other day about a woman who she didn't specify the year but she said she was born in the 90s and this diagnosis she was given when she was 19 so not that long ago, she was diagnosed by a doctor here in Montreal with hysteria. <laughs> like, I didn't even know that people were still getting diagnosed with that post, like, the 50s. That's crazy. <laughs> and, you know, there's, like, so many historical reasons for people to mistrust the healthcare system and to mistrust the government. I mean, the government... In Canada and all over the all over the world, fumbled so hard during like their reactions, their responses during the pandemic that like I was mistrust. I do mistrust the government, <laughs> and yeah, there's like certain marginalized groups, like Indigenous women, for example, are forced or coerced into getting sterilized. And this isn't, like, a practice that used to happen, like, much like this Montreal doctor who's going around diagnosing women with hysteria. Like, this is still happening to Indigenous women. The There has been, like, a, a bill introduced to the Canadian Senate in 2021, finally, to criminalize this. And it's still under review, hasn't made it to the House of Commons. Like, this is still happening. So, like, sure, I guess if you're coming from a position of privilege and you've never experienced any of that and you don't run in social circles that have people who have experienced that, you might want to jump to this assumption that somebody who has vaccine hesitancy is an uninformed moron. But actually, yeah, there's lots of there are lots of reasons for people to not trust their healthcare providers and not trust what the government tells them to do. And sure, that's a really specific example, but it's just, yeah, I just feel like that illustrates that you might have this gut reaction or this tendency to make assumptions about people based on your own lived experience, but you're not taking that other person's lived experience into account. And if you stay open and curious and ask questions in a 
non-invasive, creepy way. Like, you can just learn more about people and learn more about the world and reassess your judgment. And not only do I think that makes the world a better place for the people around us, but I think it makes it a better place for ourselves, too. I think the more that we make these unchecked judgments of other people, the more we invite that energy into our lives. And I think it perpetuates this fear that other people are going to judge us just as much as we judge others. And when we live in this constant state of being critical of ourselves and being critical of other people and like living with this constant fear and shame, it start it holds us back from doing the things in life that we most desire because we're afraid of what people will think of us if we dress how we want to dress or act how we want to act. If we go against the grain in any way, if we're perceived as, you know, strange or weird or other, we think we'll be vulnerable to the ridicule of others and we're going to feel all of this embarrassment and shame. And rather than suffer any of that, we keep our hearts and dreams quiet. We don't say out loud what we really want. We don't go after what we really want. We just lead, we lead these small, constricted lives. And we have to do the work of breaking out of this, this, this prison of our own making. Because the idea that everyone is looking at us and thinking about what we're doing or thinking about what we look like for the most part, is a fallacy. Like, most people are way too concerned with their own lives and they're way too insecure about themselves and, like, worrying about how they're being perceived to be thinking about you at all. And then, even if that's not true, even if they are looking at you and they are judging you because of the way that you look or the way that you're acting or the choices that you make in your life, that's more of a reflection of them than it is of you. Because happy and secure people don't spend their time nitpicking and criticizing other people. They're like, <laughs> they're too focused on living their life and having fun and enjoying all of the pleasures that life has to offer. They're not thinking about like you wearing something that's very 2020 TikTok trends. Like they don't give a shit. They're not paying attention to you. I think the best thing that we can do for ourselves is just rise above do the work to rise above these judgments of other people and refuse to let shame and fear of what others might think of us. Like, don't let that hold you back from doing what you want. Living your life by other people's limitations and insecurities is a betrayal of yourself. And as long as we are not harming anyone or impeding on the boundaries of others, we should be able to do exactly what we want. It's our one and only life. <laughs> and we can't waste time being so scared to try new things and to pursue our dreams to their fullest extent. Like, what else are you going to do with this one life? And the judgment card is that serious. It is about your whole life and what you're doing with it, what how you're spending your time. It's not about the the day-to-day -day of like what outfit you wear or whose party you attend or what job you do. It's about more than that. I've talked about this before, but a tarot deck is comprised of the major and the minor arcana. And the minor arcana is like this, um, the wands, the, <laughs> I almost said spectacles, pentacles. 
<laughs> the swords and the cups. And so each of those numbered cards. And then the major arcana is judgment, the, like the devil card, the sun, death, like all of those kind of like more major, major arcana, major cards. <laughs> and major arcana cards are about grander themes than just your day-to-day life. It's about overarching themes in your life on a cosmic level. The judgment card is placed between the sun and the world in the in the major arcana. And so it's a beyond it's about beyond just how you look or if you feel socially accepted. This card is about you looking back on your life at the end of it and asking yourself if you'll be proud of what you did with your time on earth. Are you paying attention to the truths and realities that the sun reveals to you? Or are you distracted and tuned out and numbed out? Are you doing the difficult internal work required to evolve and ascend to a higher calling? Whatever that might look like for you. For me, I'm I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> so take everything that I say with a grain of salt. But I really feel like writing is, or pursuing writing in whatever, whatever form I can, creating art, putting, put, like using my voice to connect. And I don't just mean my literal voice here on this podcast, but that's part of it. But also just like my writing, using that to connect with people, I feel like is part of my calling. So, but it could look totally different for you. That's for you to figure out. And you will need to figure that out in order to feel the completion and the wholeness that comes with the world card that follows judgment, because that's what that card is all about. I think doing this internal work of releasing negative judgments from other people and from ourselves, it strengthens our skill and judgment becomes a positive tool that we can use to discern what is good and worthy of our time here on earth and what we need to let go of. The judgment card is a rallying cry. It's time to wake up. (laughs) Wake up and get the fuck up. (laughs) Get out of bed. We are meant for more than just sleepwalking through life as capitalism spreads its rot, stealing away our time and hardening our hearts against each other. We have to wrench our time and attention back from systems and companies that would have us believe the key to our happiness lies in likes and follows or checking off our Amazon wish list that's never going to fulfill us. It's not supposed to. Everything around us in modern in modern society, <laughs> it's designed to leave us feeling empty and miserable so we'll keep shoveling money into the void and hoping that the oncoming packages we receive in return will cure us. And none of that is going to matter in the end. We'll have wasted our whole lives pursuing frivolity in a system that was designed for us to lose. And so how do we wake up exactly if we've been asleep for so long? How do we divine what our calling is? Where? Do, how do we know where to even start with that? I certainly am not an expert, but I... This has been on my mind for the last year, the last few years, a really long time. And I feel like I'm making some progress. 
And I don't think this advice is one size fits all. So sorry if it doesn't really apply to you, but I'll share my tips. And much like all of these newsletters and podcast episodes, please take whatever resonates with you and just leave the rest behind. But I think we start by getting really quiet and still. And luckily, it's a perfect season for that. (laughs) Winter is the season for self-reflection and internal work. And that's probably why we have the tradition of setting New Year's resolutions. I think because the world gets so dark and cold and quiet, we very naturally start to slow our own paces down Winter is a time for a lot of self-reflection, and in order to self-reflect, you have to be okay. You have to learn to be okay (laughs) with being alone. I'm somebody who used to be very addicted to other people's company. This stint here in Montreal is probably the longest that I've ever lived alone. There was one brief period back in Kelowna. But, like, I was not comfortable with being alone when I lived by myself in Kelowna. And I had company over all the time. I had people who would come over and we would just smoke weed and be on my couch day after day watching an endless stream of movies and TV shows and just, like, numbing ourselves to reality. And... Like, that's part of it, too, is minimizing distractions that numb us from our feelings and derail our focus. And unfortunately, because I love a drink and I love a cheeky ciggy or a little weed capsule, but a lot of us abuse substances to just escape reality. And I'm not going to (laughs) fucking sit here and say that you shouldn't drink. But I think evaluating your relationship with alcohol is always a healthy thing to do because for me, there was no growth happening. (laughs) There was no evolving happening when I was in a perpetual state of like recovering from a night of partying and drinking or just like too high to care or function. That's a relationship that I really needed to work on. And, you know, I've said it before and I'm going to say it a million times to you and to myself, but social media, <laughs> scrolling on your phone, that re- that relationship needs to be reevaluated. Your the the instinct to consume meaningless media as a distraction from your own unhappiness. That relationship needs to be reevaluated. I think that winter is a great time, and this is a great way to sharpen your intuition. Getting really quiet and still, listening to your dreams, noticing what makes you feel alive and connected to the world, and learning to trust your intuition. That's the key to starting to understand what your calling might be. If you find yourself leaning on 
the distractions that I mentioned to get through the day, to unwind or de-stress from whatever you've got going on. It's perfectly understandable, but you're probably really unhappy. And what are you doing about that? Like, what are you going to do about that? You have to take agency and make changes or try to at least. I know it's fucking hard, (laughs) you know, and I'm not sitting here saying that, like, I'm talking about people who are able to enact change in their lives because they're not clinically depressed and absolutely unable to get out of bed. Like, I think that's very different and I don't have experience with that so much. So I would never want to minimize that or act like that's not a very real experience that people suffer through. But I think for myself, I I can only speak for myself, a lot of my depression and being a hot mess and not being able to get my shit together was completely self-inflicted. Like it was, it was completely situational. I had all the power over that. And, you know, I have my own challenges with my undiagnosed ADHD and, uh, you know, burnout from working at jobs that just drain the life out of me as we, like, we all have those experiences But I think for a long time, I looked at myself as like a victim of those and used it as an excuse to not do the hard work of overcoming all of that and starting to investigate like what I was metaphorically, well, metaphorically running away from, but then like actually literally running away from by moving to Montreal. Luckily, it's all worked out, but the inspiration there was definitely uh, running away from the person that I didn't want to be anymore when I was living in BC, when I was living in Kelowna. So I don't know if you don't like reckon with those unresolved um, traumas, I guess, or the whatever you've got going on that you're trying to distract yourself from so much, you have to, you have to face that and work through it so you can figure out what you should be devoting your time and energy to instead. I'm pretty sure I've talked about this before on this podcast. I can't remember the which episode, but I think it's good to also revisit passions and interests that you had as a child or a teen before the fear of other people's judgment kind of corrupted you? Did you love to perform? Did you paint? Were you fascinated by animals and always seeking to learn more about the natural world? Like whatever it is, it doesn't have to be something that you overhaul your entire life for immediately. Maybe it's something you pick up on the weekends or incorporate into your lunch break or in your evenings during the week. But these hobbies and interests that we had as kids that we kind of dropped because it's it was uncool to be very into fantasy novels about unicorns as an example that's not that that's not a personal experience that I had but that was that was what came to mind but like revisiting those things that 
you loved and that you fully embraced as a kid or as a teenager before the world kind of beat it out of you is a good way to start investigating what calls out to you, what you feel drawn towards when it comes to your passions and and your dreams and your goals. You can start small and see where it takes you. It doesn't have to be this like huge thing that you overhaul your life for, like I was saying. And you can just drop it if it doesn't work out and try something else. Keep trying things. Try everything. Even if you're scared and you think you might not like it or won't be good at it, how can you know if you don't try? I'm working on this one myself. So again, easier said than doing, but easier said than done. <laughs> um, but I think we again, going back to this like fear of judgment from other people, like we're scared that other people are going to look at us and think like, oh, she does not know what she's doing. She does not know what she's talking about. And we let that fear talk us out of trying anything new. And, but we, like, we just have to be open to making mistakes And be okay with changing our mind about things. It's also like it's fine to think that you're going to be very into something and then realize that you're wrong. That's okay. Mistakes are learning opportunities. They're not something that we should punish ourselves over. We can practice forgiving ourselves and being grateful for new knowledge and the chance to expand our minds. And then that makes it easier for us to take risks and be vulnerable in the future, too. It kind of builds on itself. It builds resilience. You have to accept that you're going to fail sometimes at the new things that you're trying. And then also, you're going to fail at this pursuit of building a better life for yourself and pursuing your your calling in life, whatever that might look like. That's okay, It's okay to (laughs) build a daily schedule for yourself with a time-blocked routine and stick to it for three days, and then on the fourth day, maybe only do half of it, and then spend the rest of your afternoon playing a video game, or just like throwing the schedule out the window and writing all day because you're on a roll and you feel like it. Like (laughs) Those are my examples, but then tomorrow, I'm just going to try again. And that's okay. We are resisting a huge, archaic system of capitalism that wants us to fail. But we're only really defeated when we give up entirely. So every now and then, scroll on your phone for too long. Watch New Girl, a couple of episodes of New Girl, or The Office, and just check out. (laughs) Because the world is fucking exhausting, and sometimes we just need that. Buy yourself a little treat instead of making a homemade meal. You just have to try your best tomorrow. It's a practice, and you'll, you're going to get better at it day after day. I keep saying you, but I am talking to myself here. A lot of this is me talking to myself, me speaking my own reality into existence, being a very powerful witch. And, you know, this is something, too, that... I get this energy, especially off of the Wild Unknown version of this card, this, like, ascension energy 
that's the word that kept coming to mind for me was ascension, ascending. And it made me think of the term ascendant sign in astrology, which is something that you might also know as your rising sign. And I, I, I know I have talked about astrology on this podcast before, but I feel like I sometimes avoid talking about it more because astrology is so mainstream right now that I guess part of me kind of assumes that whatever I have to say about astrology, most people are already going to know. And so I don't really have anything new to bring to that conversation. There are definitely people who are more informed about astrology than I am. But I did have some feedback that I could talk about this a little bit more. So the rising sign, this is like the it refers to the zodiac sign that was rising or ascending, hence why it's referred to the ascendant, that was rising on the eastern horizon the moment that you were born. Your ascendant and rising sign determines how you perceive the world around you and your lived reality. It can reveal the major themes, cycles, and patterns that show up in your life again and again. It's your motivation for being here on Earth. It is much more specific to you than your sun sign as the zodiac sign on the eastern horizon changes every two hours where the sun changes zodiac signs every 30 days. This is why pop astrology, like um, basically like horoscopes that you read in newspapers or newspapers, what year is it? <laughs> on websites, I guess. Uh they typically are using the sun sign as a reference because it's a much it's much wider in scope where your rising sign is a little bit more niche. It's a little bit more specific to you. So to find out your rising sign, you'll need to know the exact time of your birth and then your date of birth, of course, and the location where you were born. And then there's like plenty of websites <laughs> where you can just plug that info in. It'll give you your birth chart and let you know like what your rising sign is, your moon sign, along with all of the other planets, what sign they're placed in, and what houses they're placed in. Houses are a component of your birth chart as well that determines basically different areas of your life and what they are, which signs and planets they are ruled by. So astrology is... If you're not super familiar with it, can seem like it's really basic in that, you know, often people will say like, oh, I would never trust a Gemini. And I always kind of like <laughs> judge people <laughs> who say stuff like that because there is so much more to somebody's astrology than just them being a Gemini's son because their moon sign is also hugely impactful. The moon, your moon sign is your internal realm. It's your emotions and your body. And then your sun sign is like the energy that you project into the world. So, and then beyond that, that Mercury is, it rules how you communicate. Mars rules your like sexual appetite and aggression. Venus is all about love and how you receive it, how you give it. So like 
astrology is a very complex system, or it's much more complex than you might assume based on the way it's talked about in like pop culture. Another aspect <laughs> that I haven't touched on yet is that each rising sign, all road, okay, let me rephrase. All zodiac signs are ruled by one of the planets, or some signs even have two. Like, for example, Scorpio is ruled by both Mars and Pluto. And that planet, that ruling planet, is instrumental in shaping the major themes and lessons and experiences of your life. It's known as your chart ruler. So my journey to knowing myself better started a couple years ago when I read this book by Chani Nicholas. It's called You Were Born for This, Astrology for Radical Self-Acceptance. If you are a close friend of mine, I've already blabbed your ear off about this book and how life-changing it was for me. I might have probably even talked about it on this podcast before. Like, I am obsessed with this book because it really kind of unlocked a deeper understanding of astrology for me and in turn allowed me to understand my own motivations and what kind of, like, compels me and makes, like, what drives me forward in this life. Because I think I really only understood my sun sign and I knew my moon sign before as well, but I was finally able to figure out my birth time and that led me to learning more about my rising sign. And this book really kind of frames it in a way of like once you have that information, it's it becomes a lot easier and becomes more clear to understand like why you are the way that you are. Once I learned that I was an Aries rising, a lot of the anchor issues that I have experienced in my life and being a bit stubborn, some might say, and bossy. I think bossy was actually in one of my report cards when I was in like grade three which is really rude. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, I was like, how old are you in grade three, third grade? Like eight? <laughs> Getting called bossy? <sighs> so the, uh, the more that I learned about my Aries rising placement and the more that I learn about my Mars chart ruler, because Mars rules Aries, the more that my direction in life and what motivates me, what drives me, has become so much clearer. If you're into astrology and you're looking for a place to kind of get get started with knowing yourself better and learning about your own motivations and, and intuition in life, learning your rising sign, learning your chart ruler, those are two very good places to start. Thank you for listening <laughs> to my Astro TED Talk. Thank you for sticking with me to the end of this episode. I know it's going to be way longer than usual, but I had a lot to say today. I hope that you enjoyed listening. I am thinking about, I'm going to be doing a few more episodes. I'm heading back to BC in December. I might do a couple episodes from there, but I was thinking about the concept of doing seasons for this podcast so that I can kind of structure it with 
breaks in between where I kind of work on, you know, new content for the new season and kind of release it like a real legitimate podcast and not just something that I've been winging this whole time, though there's nothing wrong with that either. So I don't know. Stay tuned for updates on that. Uh, I'll do the plugs here. You can also, if you're not already doing so, follow me on Instagram. Instagram. It's at Sarzapan, like Marzapan, but with an S. And I'm that same username on Twitter, which I tweet very occasionally, or I guess post. I post on X. That's so bad. I'll never, I'm never going to embrace X. I hate it. <laughs> Uh, and then also same username on Letterboxd. I don't really post reviews on there, but I rate stuff. And you can see like lists that I'm making, movies that I've watched. And uh, still dormant on TikTok. I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> and if you would like to read the newsletters that I write and publish for Black Magic and you're not already signed up, you can do that at sarahblack.substack.com. I release free content occasionally. The podcast gets published on there as well. So it's kind of like a one-stop shop for all things Black Magic. If you want to support my work financially, you're a goddamn angel and you can do that by signing up for the newsletter and then upgrading to a paid membership. There's monthly and annual. and But like no pressure because everything is fucking expensive. So I get it. And what else? What else? Podcast. You can hear it on Spotify and Apple. And if you went ahead and took a second to rate this podcast five stars, maybe like leave a review. That would be super helpful. Maybe get other people to also rate and review and listen and follow and subscribe. Like, just give me all the attention. That's very Aries rising of me. <laughs> I need attention. <laughs> okay. I love and I cherish you all, each and every one of you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here you're going to be okay. Just do your best. Don't waste your time. Okay. Bye.